Normally I don't need notes, but today I need notes. All right. Um, as I was having my devotions earlier this week, have you ever had a verse just jump off the page at you? And just, it's like, that's the one. That happened to me this week. And I was, um, I was like, wow, that's really powerful. Is this what I'm supposed to be preaching on? Or is this just for me, God? And as the week progressed, it was, this is what I'm supposed to be preaching on. And the more I, uh, I, I and I even tried to say, well, no, I'm, this is Mother's Day. I'm supposed to preach about mothers, God. And the Lord said, no, you're supposed to preach on this. And I was like, it's not what I want to do. There we go. So this morning, if you will turn with me to the book of Joshua, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. It's the sixth book of the Bible. And we're in chapter one of Joshua. It's very, very easy to read. And I'll give you just a little bit of background before we actually read this chapter. We're not going to read the whole chapter. Um, If you are familiar with the story of the Exodus and the story of Moses leading the children of Israel out of bondage and then 40 years wandering in the desert. Every time you read about Moses going into the presence of God whether it's up on Mount Sinai or whether it's in the actual physical tabernacle that they built while they were in the wilderness, um, or it's also known as the tent of meeting. Sometimes you'll read that in the scriptures. You will find that Joshua was the right-hand man to Moses. And Joshua never left the tent. He stayed there. I don't know a lot about his background as far as who he was, how he grew up, where, you know, what his rearing was. All I know is that Joshua was a young man when this old man, Moses, started leading the children of Israel across the desert and Joshua stayed by Moses. And when when Moses would leave the the mountain, Joshua would stay up on the mountain. When Moses would leave the tabernacle or the tent of meeting, Joshua would stay there at the meeting. And for 40 years, he was mentored by Moses. Well, now they have crossed the desert and it is time for Moses' death. And it's time for the Israelites to go into the land of Israel to take over, and somebody has to stand up to become the leader. And that's where we're at. So chapter 1 of Joshua, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness of this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, which the great sea is the Mediterranean Sea, 
Toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. That's a pretty significant promise. You go and take this land. No one is going to be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, be care- being careful, and here's what I want you to hear, being careful to do according to all the law Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. There are some very powerful, powerful words there. God says, I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. I, the Lord your God, will go with you wherever you go. You will have great success. No one will be able to stand in front of you all the days of your life. Be strong, be courageous, walk the path that I lay out before you. Do the promise, I mean, fulfill the promise that I made for me. Powerful, powerful, powerful words, powerful declarations, powerful prophetic words. But they hinge on that one point. Read the word of God. Meditate on it day and night and apply it. Be careful to follow all of it. Every law, everything that you've been taught, if you do that, you will have great success. That's the promise. And that's how Joshua was commanded to live. Now, we do not have time this morning to go through the whole story of Joshua. But what I want you to know, I want to point back to you this. This is not a new thing that God did with Joshua. Okay? This isn't this isn't just specifically a command to Joshua in that particular setting, in that particular time, for that particular set of circumstances. Remember I said in my prayer In Hebrews, God is the same yesterday and today and forever. He deals with the people thousands of years ago in the same way that he deals with us today. If you look in Deuteronomy chapter 17, Joshua is just after Deuteronomy. So we're just turning back a little bit, a few pages. Deuteronomy chapter 17, you will find in verse 18 some commands about what the kings of Israel are to do. In chapter 17, um, there's this part where, where God says in the, book of, in, the, in the book of the law, 
the day is going to come when you Israelites are going to want a king. And when that day happens, this is what your kings are supposed to do. And he gives us a whole long list of what the kings are supposed to do. And ironically, if you look at Solomon's life, he violated every single one of those tenets. Yes, he did. But the one thing that's in verse 17, 8, and it's, I mean, it's chapter 17, verse 18, 19, and 20. That's the easiest way to remember it. Okay? If you want to memorize this particular passage, but you can't have trouble remembering it, it's, it's Deuteronomy 17, 18, 19, 20. So it's this. Verse 18. When he, the king, sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law. Do you hear what that says? He is supposed to take the book of the law and in his own personal journal, he is to himself scribe out the words of the law. And it shall be with him, this copy that he makes for himself, and he shall read in this journal, this copy of the law, that he his own personal copy, it will be read all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes and doing them, not just learning about them, but actually putting them into practice. Why? Verse 20 says, So that his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers, and that he may not turn aside from the commandment, either to the right hand or to the left, so that he may continue long in his kingdom, he and his children in Israel. God put it into the very law of God, the word of God, that when the day comes that a king is set up over the nation of Israel, in order that he doesn't get high and mighty and all full of himself, in order that he is successful and has a dynasty in place, a dynasty in place where his children will succeed him and God will bless him, he is to have his own personal copy of the word of God and he is to not only himself scribe it and copy it, which there's, a, there's some, for those of you that are teachers, you understand, you hear it, you see it, you write it, you remember it. So he is himself, he's not supposed to task some low person in his kingdom to do it. He himself makes his own personal copy from the original so that he can then have it with him day and night to read, to study, to chew on, to make notes in. Now, we in today's society are incredibly blessed because back in the days of ancient Israel, not everyone had access to the word of God that they could write on and chew on and study and highlight and make notes about. We do. In my case, I have like 20 different books down in my office that are all the Bible, just different translations of the Bible. Some of them are shredded. Some of them are pristine because I've never really used them much. But for thousands and thousands of years, 
Millions upon billions of people who were followers of God never had access to a daily touch of accessing the word of God for themselves. That's why in Psalm 119, verse 11, it says, I have hid your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Why? Because they couldn't just go open up a Bible. In order for them to be able to carry the word of God with them, they had to memorize it. The thing that's cool about Bible memorization is when the tough times come, the Holy Spirit of God will bring it out. But just like a real computer, you cannot get the software to spit out an answer if there was never data put into the hard drive. Just because you got the equipment doesn't mean you're going to get the answer unless you've already input the data. So unless you read the word of God and put it in, the Holy Spirit's not going to be able to bring it out in the time of need. And you know, quite honestly, and I'm not pointing out any individual, hear me, I'm not. But there are people in this community, I'm not going to say in this room because that would be too close. But there are people in this community that I deal with regularly who have said to me, I'm 30 plus years old and I hope one day to finish reading all the way through the Bible for myself. You were brought up in the church and you have continued to go to church all of your life. And in some cases you have taught classes and led children's programs, and you don't even have one time through in 30 plus years? Ah! (laughs) Wouldn't I love to slap them? Because they're coming to me, Pastor. Why is my life so hard? I don't know. I love Jesus. I love God. I'm trying to serve him the best that I can. No, you're not. You're too lazy to even open his word and read it. And don't give me that you do read it, because if you did, you wouldn't have told me you've never read it all the way through in 30 plus years. That's crap. Forgive me for saying it, but it is. Either you do love Jesus or you don't. Either you are a follower of God or you aren't. End of discussion. And we're told right here in the word of God, if you just read it for yourself, that if you read it and apply it, you will have success. And God will take care of you. And God's promises will be for you. Now, let me come back into the ancient times because that's what we're supposed to be looking at. Not us, because it's too tender if we talk about us. Let's go back to the ancient days. Joshua led the people of Israel for 40 years with Moses. And then he did another, I don't remember how many years it was as they were conquering um, the the land. And then finally, when it's all said and done, he is successful. And at the very end, as he's sending them to their homes to live now that they've accomplished everything. What is he most famous for? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This leader 
who was successful in all that he did so that no one could stand up against him. His final charge to the people of Israel is serve him. Follow his teachings. Apply the word and the law to your life and the blessings of God will be on you. And the people said, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord as they marched to their homes. Now, let's fast forward 767 years. Go to 2 Kings chapter 22. We're near the end of the nation of Israel as a land-holding people. And there is a young boy who's eight years old, whose daddy dies, and he now has to be the king. His name is Josiah. Second Kings chapter 22, verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah of Boskath. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the way of David his father. And he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. You hear that phrase? He didn't turn from the right or the left. That's what we see throughout all of this that we've looked at this morning. The words to Joshua, the words in Deuteronomy... I walk in that circle of light. Thy word is a path. I mean, light, a light to my path. I don't turn from the left or to the right. I stay on the path. Josiah is honored in the word of God as being one who did not turn aside to the right or to the left, but he walked the path that God laid before him. Verse 3. In the 18th year of King Josiah, now he's been a king for 10 years. Now, oh, before we go any farther... What is a king supposed to do when he gets on his throne? He's supposed to go to the temple and sit in the temple with the approved original manuscript. And he's supposed to get his own personal journal and hand scribe for himself the word of God so that he has it every day to meditate on day and night. Why? So that he will be successful. So that he will have the blessing of God. So that his dynasty will continue. This eight-year-old boy becomes the king. And ten years later, we read, So the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshullam, the secretary to the house of the Lord. He said to them, Go up to Hilkiah the high priest, that he may count the money that has been brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the threshold have collected from the people. And let it be given to the hand of the workmen who have oversight of the house of the Lord, and let them give it to the workmen who are at the house of the Lord, repairing the house. That is, to the carpenters, and to the builders, and to the masons. And let them use it for buying timber and quarried stone to repair the house. But no accounting shall be asked from them for the money that is delivered into their hand, for they deal honestly. So basically what the king says is, we got a problem with this temple, and it needs to be built up and fixed. And so go into the treasury of the church and fix it. And I don't even want you to do an accounting. I trust these guys. Just give them the money and let them get started. Now... He's been king for 10 years when this happens. He's 18 years old. 
Okay? So he's a man now. He's not a baby. He's not a boy. He's a man. And he's making man decisions. I want that church fixed. I want it taken care of. And I don't care what it costs. I don't even need an accounting. Just make it happen. So, Hilkiah, the high priest, says to Shaphan, the secretary, Look what I found while we were working in the house of the Lord. It's the book of the law. And Hilkiah gives the book to Shaphan, and Shaphan reads it. Now, when we say the book of the law, we're talking Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Those five books, the Pentateuch, okay? So Shaphan, the secretary, after he reads it, he comes to the king. And he reports to the king, Your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house and have delivered it to the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord. And then Shaphan the secretary says to the king, And Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read the book before the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. This... It's not said it here, but it is intimated that this is the very first time this 18-year-old man who has been the king for 10 years, that this is the very first time that he's heard the word of God. And his response, he goes into mourning. He tears his clothes. The king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Ahikam the son of Shaphan and Achor the son of Micaiah and Shaphan the secretary and Isaiah the king's servant saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to it, to all that is written concerning us. So they go to, to consult a prophetess. And I don't, we're not going to read all of it through, but just know that the prophetess speaking the words of God says in verse 20, well, let's go to verse, go to verse 18. But to the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, say this to him. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, regarding the words that you have heard, because your heart was penitent and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard how I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants that they should become a desolation and a curse and you have torn your clothes and wept before me I also have heard you declares the Lord therefore behold I will gather you to your fathers and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace and your eyes shall not see all the disaster that I will bring upon this place and they brought back word to the king now, if you read the continuing story of Josiah from that point on, he literally restores right relationship with God for the nation of Israel. He goes to, has, he go, they go out to all of the places where they are worshiping the false gods, and he has them destroyed and burned and defiled. And finally, he brings right, right restoration of worship back into the nation of Israel, and God blesses the, the king, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the reign of Josiah. It doesn't negate the fact that the nation fell away and that there is curses and a damnation that's coming. But God held it off because of the righteousness of this man when he heard the word of God 
and he was cut to the heart and he said, and he obviously it says he wept and he had the power to make it right so he made it right. He took what he read, what he learned and he applied it. And the end, end result was blessings of God poured out on him. Success was his. It didn't turn the ultimate destiny because it was already beyond that. But God was willing to at least put it in abeyance for now. And so that's the story. Okay, we've got Moses who's called out to lead the people into the land of promise. God gives Moses the word of God, the five books, the five first books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, and says, follow these words. This is how I expect my people to live. This is how we have relationship. There's blessings pronounced in those words. There's curses pronounced in those words. The leader of your nation has a responsibility before God. If he wants the blessing of God, if he wants to be successful, if he wants to see advancement, he needs to be so tightly and intimate with God that he has his own personal copy of God's word that he reads every single day and he meditates on it. He chews on it every day, every night. He thinks about it. He's, he's highlighting it. He's applying it to his life. And through that, there will be blessing upon blessing upon blessing. And without it, there will be cursing upon cursing upon cursing. And over the course of 767 years... Something happened where the king didn't even know it existed, let alone didn't make his own personal copy and study it. Once it came back to him, he then applied it to his life. And I'm sure he had his own personal copy once he read Deuteronomy chapter 17. 17, 18, 19, 20. Remember that. Deuteronomy 17, 18, 19, 20. So what is all that for us this morning? See the picture up there? That picture has been up there all morning with no words. Because I didn't want anyone to be influenced by my thought process. I just wanted you to see that as an image and think about it. And what does that mean? And I would venture that there were some of you who came in this morning and saw that and thought, oh, wow, that person really has used their Bible a lot. And they've literally worn it out through their use. And then there are some others of you who didn't think a thing about it. It was just a picture. Oh, well, no big deal. It's ugly and I'm just going to keep moving on. And there's others who might have thought, wow, that Bible's been abused. And I I wanted the Holy Spirit to just interact with you. My question to you this morning is this. And don't raise your hand. I don't want to hear it. It's between you and God. If I were to ask you to go home and get your Bible and bring it here, the one that's your Bible... Not grandma's, not a gift when you got confirmed, your Bible. Is it pristine? Are there pages that still would crinkle and open because the gold has never been separated? Or does it look like that because you have shredded it, using it day by day by day, throughout the day, morning and night, studying it, writing in it, making notes, knowing the word of God, putting it into your heart, applying it into your life. Letting it be that flashlight that beams the circle of light onto the path so you know to which way to go and neither turning from the right or the left. Or are you somewhere in between? It's not pristine, but it, it certainly ain't used up. What I want you to do this week is I want you to get with God and open it up. And make a covenant with him. That you want to be like Josiah. 
You want to be like Joshua. You want to have great success. You want to be effective and powerful and see the advancement of the kingdom of God through you. And you need God's help to get up off your fat, lazy butt. Because that's exactly what it is. It's laziness and carelessness. If you can't say you've read through the Bible at least once and lo these many years that you've been serving him. Read God's word. Stop playing games. You have an incredible privilege that you can have your own personal copy. There's going to come a time if you live long enough where that copy will be confiscated from you. And the only bit of scripture you'll have left that will have access to will be what you have hidden in your heart so that you might not sin against God. This is not a game. This is a serious, serious thing. And I feel strongly that this is from God. This is a warning. The time is coming, folks. You will not have the privilege of a phone with, a, with your, the Bible verses on it. Or you won't be able to have your own copy of the thing. Because it's going to come where they will be taken from us. And if you have not been diligent and faithful to read it and know it backwards, forwards, inside and out. You will be the one to suffer. Hear the word of the Lord. Let's pray.